energy. We got energy. Energy. Welcome back to Detroit Strange. This podcast. The one you're listening to. Right now. Absolutely. <laughs> Why did I go into infomercial voice? Because I'm over here going energy, energy. You're bringing that energy. I know. It's because I talked about Drop Dead Gorgeous at work today. <gasps> Love that movie. And I think that's where the energy comes from when she's on like the local news. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I just love it. There's so many like good one-liners from that movie too. Oh yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, that one. And then also watched Goldfinger recently, or half a Goldfinger recently, and that one so has some good gold. one-liners. Yeah, it's just gold. Okay, gold. <laughs> even still need the finger. Yeah, always need the finger. <laughs> but like so many iconic lines in that one. Do you expect me to talk? No, I expect you to die, Mister Bond. Fantastic. And then just pussy galore. Uh, every time I hear Pussy Galore, I think of Rent. Is she? In- no, but there is a line. Is there a reference? Pussy Galore in person. Okay. In one of the songs. Because um, Angel is dressed up and yes. they're, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Do you know, do you know the premise? I've seen Rent. I've seen it. Oh, okay. It's um when they're doing like that. It, it, Collins is talking about the, the ATM thing. Uh-huh. They're like. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and she comes and she's. Like in a shower curtain dress uh, kind of thing. Yeah. I love it because the actress who played Pussy Galore, Honor Blackman, which also, what a name. Um, oh, yes. She loved saying the character's name in American interviews and making the interviewer uncomfortable <laughs> because we're so much more uptight. They almost had, they almost censored the movie to be Kitty Galore, but they're like, no, 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 no. Oh, Pussy I think you've talked about that before. Yeah. yeah. That sounds, that sounds familiar. Yeah. Possibly a callback to eventually at some point in this in this podcast series. Yeah. Which here we are, 101. Yeah. We're not an introductory class. We are at episode no. 101. No. You you might learn something. You might. You might not. You know what? Learn something, don't. There's no test. Yeah. This won't be on the final. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Silver lining. Always. <laughs> So getting ready for a kayak scavenger hunt this weekend in Fort Wayne. Yeah, I literally all I know is it's a kayak scavenger hunt. I don't know any logistics or anything. I'm just showing up and Uh hopefully getting a kayak and we'll see how it goes. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, I paid to rent one. Okay. So I hopefully will have a kayak. That'd be very rude of them if they (laughs) made you pay and gave you none. Right. Me and Jem were talking because apparently the she was like, I think Maria said there was an option between bikes and kayaks, and we oh. did kayaks. And okay. I'm like, that's the very different modes of transportation. How is this the same scavenger hunt? Unless there's like different clues. Then I had like had the thought of like, what if it's just we have to carry the kayaks around? That's the like instead of like being in the water, we're just like carrying kayaks around Fort Wayne. That would make it very difficult to find. Things. I would take the kayak and leave, or just like dump it on the side of the road. I'm like, oh no, I'm not doing this. Our friend Rania dumped a blow-up kayak on the side of a road somewhere on her adventures. Love that. In Oregon. No, the side of a river. Well, hopefully, you know, someone found it and they got use out of it. Yeah, I think that was kind of the plan. Like, you know, if someone gets stranded in the woods, they're going to find that kayak and that's going to be their ticket to safety. Rania saved a life that day. She did. Yeah, we stand. <laughs> we stand Rania. Yes. Yeah. Um, I had a weird night last night. I know you called me. I did. And I almost came over with chicken nuggets, but at the last minute I couldn't. 
I know. I was a little bummed, but I was also glad that you were able to get in and do what you had to do. Yeah. Long story short, roommate Lisa fell off her bike, hit her head on the ground pretty hard. So we had a little trip to the ER, but I couldn't go in until she got like actually admitted into a room. Uh huh. So I just had to be like in flux, which I'm not complaining, but I had to be in flux until she was admitted, which we were like, that could be anywhere from right now until question mark. Eternity. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She's okay now, though. Mostly. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. When you said she hit her head pretty bad, I just thought of the line from um, Devil Wears Prada. Did you smack your little head on the pavement this morning? Like, I mean, she definitely did. She did. But you know what? She she used to not have a helmet and I really got in her case about it like a year and some change ago because I just wear helmets. Yeah. Always wear helmets. Yeah. And she bought one. She bought a real nice one. So like fancy. Thank goodness. And, you know, it got scratched up and banged up. It'll be use, usable still. Yeah. And everything. But if she hadn't been wearing it, like, I don't know how bad. It could have. It would have been probably yeah. a lot worse. Definitely. For sure. Oh, definitely. And. Yeah, so wear a helmet. That's all yes. I'm trying to say. Everybody wear a helmet. If you learn nothing else from this podcast today, that will be on the final. Yeah. <laughs> wear a helmet. Yeah, our, our final is pretty tough, too. So you better uh, study get ready. up, bitches. Yeah. Make study groups, make a Flash study guide. Uh, you know, we do, it's not open notes, but you can have an index card. Yeah, fill up that index card. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And tiny, hope- tiny letters, as tiny yes. as you can get them. I used to like, go ham i would like use like the sharpie pens like all the different colors and i would color code things and just go in and then like would rarely use it i feel like like okay. you make the note card yeah. and then like making the note card forces you to study and go over everything that by the end so like i got to the point where i was making these sheets for classes that didn't allow them i mean i graduated so it must have at least helped something worked yeah yeah it was you you did it Oh, my God. Thank you. (laughs) He graduated from a state school. Oh, I didn't tell you. Sorry, not to go back to the concussion uh, of last night. We did end up getting chicken nuggets because when we left at two something in the morning, Lisa was wanting chicken nuggets. And I was like, okay, sure. (laughs) Did you find a 24 hour McDonald's? We did. Was it the one at Nine Mile? Yes. That one's. Yeah, that's the. That's the crown jewel of the yeah. McDonald's around here. We were like, we're going to try it. And if for some reason it's closed, then at least we're not that far from the freeway. So, right. you know, we found it. Uh, we were behind a green muscle car of some sort. Oh, it had a really interesting license plate. What was it? Can't remember. I'm going to cut that because it's not interesting green anymore. Machine. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Green machine, tiny ween. Tiny cut <laughs> green outtake <laughs> we are i didn't make anything fun for drinks this week but i we you know hashtag not sponsored i love a truly tea it's the only truly's worth drinking in my opinion i've never had them before and they are good yeah i'm not a big fan of the regular truly but the, the tea this sets it apart right i like i my mom said something earlier this week that I'm never going to get out of my head. We were talking about hard seltzers in general. And she's like, they kind of taste like a burp. Yeah, I'm. I like that these aren't carbonated. I think that's why I like them oh, a maybe, lot. Because yeah. it's like just it's just tea and booze. That's all I need. It is interesting, though, because I was thinking about the other day. I'm not as um into them as I probably was before. 
Mm-hmm. I don't dislike them, but I'm still not, love them. I was excited about them before, and I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, they, they're just all over the place now. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just less exciting. They're less new. Yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah, I'm all about the trends. Yeah, so, you know, that's me. Well, trend alert! This truly tea, truly a delight. Oh, truly trending. Yes. Hashtag not sponsored. Yes. If they would like to, please. Yeah. If you know truly, truly, let them reach out. <laughs> I gotta stop saying their names. They're not giving me any money. Yeah. No. That's it. Done. The drink that shall not be named. Yes. But it's delicious. Yeah. But. Yeah. Are you ready for a story? I am pumped for a story. Okay. <laughs> Picked a bad time to have a sip. You excited? Glug, 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 glug. <laughs> but have you heard the name Boeing before? Like the jet? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, I've heard that name. Yes. Well, we're going to talk about the Boeing family. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because they actually started in Detroit. Really? Yeah. I had no idea about that. Me neither. Weird. Okay. Yeah. Strange. Rather. Yeah. Because he was like, uh, very strange. Uh, so it's kind of a little confusing. So the Boeing that started the airplane company okay. is mm-hmm. William Boeing. Okay. His father, Wilhelm Boeing. Oh. So we have Wilhelm and William today. Okay. We're going to start talking about... So Wilhelm is the senior yes. of the two. Okay. Um, And he was one of the wealthy Detroiters that like lived in the area of Detroit known as the Boulevard, which was like... um, Remember the Hecker House? Yes. So the Boeing house was originally across the street from the Hecker house. Okay. Um, so like, obviously not there anymore, but yeah. that area of Detroit was known as the Boulevard. And it was just like a bunch of big, fancy, well-to-do houses. Okay. Including the Boeings. So just like rewinding to 1868, that's when Wilhelm Boeing, um, <laughs> which originally was spelled like, there was no E in the original, because it's spelled like nowadays B-O-E-I-N-G. Yeah. That's what I thought of immediately when yeah. you said the name. Yeah. But like, I guess that's the like Anglicized, what, I don't know. Anglicized? The ang- there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Version of it. Cause it was, uh, the German spelling was like B umlaut O. Oh, okay. I I-N-G, love an umlaut. Boeing. What? I love an umlaut. Same. <laughs> Do love an umlaut. It looks so neat. They're cute. Yeah. yeah. So moved to America, lost the umlaut. Moved okay. to Detroit. Mm-hmm. So he came from money back in Germany. Like, the Boeings had money in Germany, but his father was like pissed about him leaving to go to America. So he cut him off. Oh, wow. So he actually like came over here and worked as a farmhand for a while, like worked as a farm laborer. Okay. Obviously some hard ass work. He came directly to Detroit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he would work the farm for a little bit, but then he would meet his future father-in-law, Carl Ortman, um, who was a lumberman. And so that's okay. kind of how Boeing earned his money here. Yeah. So. Lumber was a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Started getting a lumber, started getting some money. So he used that money to start like buying up country or buying up land around the country. Okay. Uh, The first was along the Mesabi Range, uh, which is a mining region in Minnesota. Okay. Part of this land would later become the city of Duluth. Oh, I heard of her. Yeah. And speaking of Duluth, uh, Boeing had a land dispute with the city over ownership of a canal built by the city. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So, like, it didn't, like, give too many details about, like, who owned what. I'm guessing 
since the city built the canal, I'm guessing it was on Boeing's land or something. Okay. But mm-hmm. either way, there was a dispute over it and kind of just like, Boeing is petty as hell, is what I've realized. Because, like, he put up a chain barrier across the canal. He chained up, like, part of the, so, but just, like, the boats would just, like, ram through it. So oh. it wasn't super effective. It was just annoying. Okay. I'm trying to imagine it. I mean, I'm sure it... Just, like, imagine just, like, posts with chains, like, trying to, like, cutting across the canal. That's so stupid. Right? Oh. So, I didn't say they were good people. I just said they came from here. Yeah. <laughs> But this dispute made its way all the way up to Congress. Wow. And it didn't say who won. It just said that they're, like, the dispute went to Congress. Uh-huh. I'm guessing Duluth probably won. I would hope. Same. For the boat's sake. Yeah. I mean, the boats just rammed the chains down. So, like. Yeah, but less ramming, more right. boating. Exactly. Less ramming, more boating. <laughs> our platform. <laughs> But he also bought land in Ocean Shores, Washington, and in the Redwood Forests of California. Wow. Yeah. So far away. Yeah. No, like I said, all over the country. And by all over the country, I mean Minnesota and the Pacific Northwest. Okay. <laughs> Sounds pretty. Yeah. So back in Detroit, he married Mary Ortman, like I said, the daughter of Carl, who we talked about earlier, who got him into lumber. Mm-hmm. And they had three children together, Gretchen, Caroline, and William, William being of the plain fame. Mm -hmm. Plain fame. Yes. And then to house his family, he built essentially a small palace in like the boulevard area of Detroit. Okay. And like I said, it was across the street from the Hecker house, which I did an episode on Mm -hmm. um, X number of episodes ago. Yeah, I don't know. 70s maybe? Yeah, I think it's in the 70s. Uh, the house was built by Henry T. Brush. Uh, he was a local architect who did a lot of little things around the city. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he's related to Brush Park. Possibly. Because he did build the original uh, Detroit Public Library. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Like, he mostly did residences, but he designed the original Detroit Public Library mm-hmm. that was replaced by the current one in 1931. Okay. So it was like late 1800s to 1931 for that library. Uh, also, fun fact, uh, George D. Mason was working in his office at the time. They were building the library. Oh, we know him. Yeah. Boy Governor. Yeah. No, not Boy Governor. No, it's not Boy Governor. George D. Mason, the architect. He did the Masonic Temple. Oh, the... Shit. Yes. The architect. The architect. What was the Boy Governor's name? Oh, it was something Andrew Mason. or something, right? Andrew Mason? Mason no, Andrew? Mason that. Alexander? No. Here's the thing. I'm really good at not remembering specifics of things. Yes. Uh, like names. Yep. It'll come to me later. Yeah, and if not, you can go walk by the statue. <laughs> so, just this super ornate house that, pe- like, people, like, said it seemed like it was shipped over from Europe level. Or- okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the home's address was 1189 Woodward between Ferry and Palmer, or as it was known then, Holden Street. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, the house was three story. The main house was three stories tall in the Second Empire and Beaux Arts style. Okay. In the middle of the front of the house was a four story tower topped with a dome and tall spire. Oh. It had a mansard roof, which I googled because I'm like, what does yeah, that mean? I don't know. And if you think of like, have you been to Paris? Or yes. You, okay. 
Like, you know how, like, they had the roofs that, like, slope, and then there's, like, dormers coming out of them? Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's basically just, like, a style of roof. Uh, it's mo- Like, they're found all over, but it's mostly associated with France. And it's basically just a way of increasing the living space by, like, making the attic, like, taller ceilings so you can use it as living space. Oh, okay. And you can usually tell from the outside, because it's, like, a, like a, like a, High slope with dorms, man. But like I said, uh, not super important, but it helps paint the picture. And also, how fancy? Yes, yes, very appropriate because we're the Paris of the Midwest. Yeah, that we have oh this yeah, French style roof. Ooh, la yes. la. Ooh. Uh, the house also featured Corinthian columns and quote voluptuous Baroque crowning. Oh, yeah, voluptuous. She was a cute house. <laughs> we'll have pictures obviously. With some curves. Yes. So that's kind of it with the house, but Wilhelm also, you know, he was had civic duties around the city, mm-hmm. including he was the director of the People's Saving Bank yeah. or People's Savings Bank and president of the Galvin Brass and Ironworks. Okay. So unfortunately, Wilhelm in 1890 would catch the flu and die at the age of 42. Oh, well, I mean, are we sad? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's like, I don't wish yeah. on people. But right before his death, he had bought more land in Minnesota, but died before mining could start. Okay. Luckily for him, though, the land was chock full of a uh, low-grade iron ore called taconite. Okay. And this would be more than enough money for his widow and three children. Like, it was just a profitable mine. Okay, well, that's good, at least. Yeah. William Bohm was eight at the time. That's a bummer for him. So back to the house for a little bit. We're going to talk about what happened to it after Poing or after Wilhelm died. Okay. So Marie would live in the house for another eight years after his death. Mm-hmm. In 1898, she sold the house to Michael and Eliza Murphy for 26,000, which adjusted for inflation is about 700,000 a day. Wow. Uh, the Murphys were also hella rich. <laughs> uh, technical term. Because uh, Michael had founded the Murphy Chair Company that was at the time the world's largest producer of chairs. Okay. That was um, out of a factory located at Harper Avenue at Lakeshore and the Michigan South Railroad Crossing. Okay. I don't oh, know exactly. Side. Yeah. East side. Um, and the Free Press reported that they made uh, 123 different types of chairs. That's a lot of chairs. Yeah. I like. Have I seen 123 chairs in my life? Probably. Or styles. I think so. I don't know if styles, but like, it's a lot of freaking styles of chair. Yeah. I, yeah, I couldn't. Wow. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah. Crushing the chair game. Yep. They weren't sitting down in the chair game. But then. Uh, um, so they bought the house, like I said, in 1980 or 19. Nope. Nope. 1898. There we go. Okay. And they. Owned it for seven years and because they sold it in 1905 for 35000 or about 840000 today. Okay. He sold it to investors Revan J. Doherty and W.E. Roney and P.J. Halley. They divided up into an apartment building called the Davis Apartments. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, that wouldn't last long because it seems uh, that sometime in the tw- 1910s was when the house was demolished. Oh, yeah, that's quick. Yeah, so they weren't apartments for long. Um, and just 
we're going to follow up with William Bowie and kind of see what happened to him. Sure. So, like I said, his father died in 1890. His mother remarried soon after. He ended up going to school in Veve, Switzerland. Oh. Which, la-di-da, ooh. <laughs> uh, he enrolled at Yale, but dropped out in 1903 to follow in his father's footsteps and get into the lumber industry. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that's what brought him out west to the Pacific Northwest. And he was successful because the, the Panama Canal had been built, so he was able to ship the lumber from west coast to east coast. Okay. Made some money. Uh, in 1909, he went to the Alaska-Yukon Pacific es- Exposition and saw his like first manned flying machine and became hooked. That's kind of what got him on the aviation okay. route. Uh, in ni- what? We're putting people in the air? Yes. What a thunk. A manned flying machine. Can you believe it? What a world. Crazy. Uh, in 1916, he went into business with George Conrad Westervelt. And so, names. Yeah, I know. The company was originally called B&W, so it wasn't Boeing. It was B&W. Okay. Uh, Buffalo the, Wild Wings. Yes. The original B&W. Yeah. <laughs> but the company's first plane was a Boeing Model 1 or the B&W seaplane. Okay. Which, like, I was watching... Um, a YouTube video from the series called Bankrupt. I was talking about like it was either Pan Am or TWA, one of the airlines that doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. But like they're talking about the early Boeing planes and how they were all like seaplanes. And so these commercial planes that would land in the water. Oh, weird. They had no landing gear. They would basically just like all water landings all the yeah. time. Weird. Yeah. And you'd just be boated into like the like I don't know if it would dock or you'd like take a boat to like where the airport actually or just was. Swim. Right, just yeah, swim. just hop out of the plane, swim. <laughs> but it just... It's, Bring your swim trunks to Right, your like, can you imagine just, like, hopping on a plane and all of a sudden you just land in the fucking water somewhere and, like, all right, we're good. <laughs> Let's get the dinghies. I cannot. No, I cannot. I, I'm glad that we figured out how to do that on land. Packing would be very difficult for that trip. Yeah. I wouldn't... You had to, like, always bring, like, you know, flip-flops and shit. Mm-hmm. Did they even have flip-flops back then? I don't know. Maybe. Possibly. I don't know. I feel like in some capacity, because Japan's had like flip-flop-like sandals for a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't, I'm trying to think of like old-timey like beach photos, you know what I mean? You never see feet or shoes. No. What were they wearing? I think they just went barefoot. Maybe. How uncivilized. I have water shoes now. I just packed my water shoes, actually, for this weekend. Uh, water shoes are great. You know what? Like, I I owned them as a kid, and then I didn't have them forever. And I got some, I don't know, a while ago. When Game I remember changer. them. Sometimes yeah. I forget them, and I'm like, no. Sometimes my Tevas are fine. Yeah. For the same type of scenarios. So I do like that. Uh-huh. But uh, you can get a cheap pair of water shoes, too. They're oh, not even expensive. Yeah. So... Honestly, I was wearing them when we were hiking up in the UP. Mm -hmm. I got like a decent pair, like not even that expensive, just like decent pair of hiking or um, water shoes. Mm -hmm. And it's perfect because it's like, you know, you walk to the beach and you want to go like flop around on the beach Mm -hmm. a little bit. I used to. Yeah, I've worn them as shoes before, too. I'm trying to think where I feel like there was somewhere where I had been hiking for a couple of days and then my hiking boots hurt. So I think I just wore those on a like smaller thing one day. Because uh, they were fine and yeah. they worked. I mean, I wouldn't do them on like an extreme. Right. If I'm hiking like miles and miles. No. Yeah. But yeah. if it's just like a mile or and two. And actually when I used to, um, when I was serving, 
when I was a server. Uh-huh. Uh, I wore them to work a couple of times even. Oh, interesting. They were black and I just needed a black shoe and yeah, I didn't want to wear my tennis shoes for like the fourth or fifth day in a row. I get that. Yeah. You need a little variety. Yeah. Only if I was working like outside. Yeah. Yeah. So don't know what kind of shoes they wore on the sea plane, but that's the, that's <laughs> the plane they made first. Interesting. Um, so I don't want to go too much more into it because like he's obviously not in Detroit this part, but I kind of just like skimmed his career and found some like interesting stuff yeah. and less savory things. Oh, so Boeing, scandal. Yeah. So Boeing bought a bunch of smaller airlines and formed United Airlines, which okay. I didn't know he did that. Weird. I didn't know that either. Yeah. Uh, in 1934, the government, though, accused Boeing of forming a monopoly and broke up the company into three parts. I was about to say that's almost. Yeah. It's, it's a conglomerate, but is it a monopoly? Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it's it definitely was, vertical integration. Let's build the planes, fly the planes. Yeah. And it, yeah. Yeah. And also, like, if he had the money and the smaller companies didn't. Yeah. That's not great. Yeah. But, like, like obviously glad they broke them up but like they weren't really that successful at first so it's not oh. like you know they were like this thriving company at mm-hmm. the time they were kind of just like i don't know but they broke it up into united aircraft corporation which is like some kind of manufacturing something or other mm-hmm. the boeing airplane company which later became the boeing company which is the one we know today okay and then united airlines which also we know them yeah. we heard yeah. there in a weird turn of events in 1937, he started investing a lot of time into horses. Oh. Like, you know, breeding. From there raising. to the ground. Right. Which I just wrote, horse hoe. <laughs> Boeing was a horse hoe. Let it be known. <laughs> and like I said, like, it was kind of weird the government broke them up then because they really weren't successful until after World War II. Oh. Because okay. that's kind of when passenger air took off. I think the first planes sense. were like more male carrying. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, yeah, they were landing on water. They couldn't right. put that many people in there. Right. And then I learned he was trash. Uh, be- oh. Between 1935 and 1944, he and his wife bought up a bunch of land north of Seattle. Like enough of it that it became five separate communities afterwards. Wow. Richmond Beach, Richmond Heights, uh, Innis Arden, Blue Ridge, and Shoreview. Okay. Uh, they set up rules on the land that forbade properties from being, quote, sold, conveyed, rented, or leased in whole or in part to any person not of the white or Caucasian race. Oh, a little racism in yeah, there. Yeah, just some casual building up of this white-only land. Great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. But luckily, he had a heart attack in 56 on his yacht and died. Well, there you go, then. Yeah. He just basically the rest of his life is a horse shit being racist and then dying on his yacht. And that's Boeing. What a man story. Right. Like, I started off like, oh, that's interesting. He's throwing the motor sitting. I got towards the end. Like, well, fuck him. I'm glad he left. <laughs> that happens sometimes, though. That's why I, I'm I get nervous sometimes looking up people. Yeah. Because there's. Yeah. A lot of times it does go south. Sometimes it's great. Yeah. A lot of times it goes south. Yeah. This one went south. This one went south, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But just my sources real quick. Yeah. HistoricDetroit.org, uh, YouTube, again, mostly the video, like the two airline videos I mentioned, which were great. I love shit like that. Uh, and Wikipedia. Okay. Those are my sources. Fantas- Thank you. That was yeah. shocking because I didn't, I, I didn't know he was no from idea. here. And- yeah. And it is something I've, everybody's heard of Boeing. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, 
heard of at least. So well, we definitely heard of them with that 747 Max. Yeah. 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 Mm. I'm glad. I'm usually glad when I fly Airbus, usually. Yeah. That's the other big it's, one. I okay. Think. Yeah. It's like Boeing and Airbus usually are the two big ones. I think I've mostly been on Airbus. Yeah. That's, that's, what, that's I think, what most of Delta's fleet is these days. Yeah. And like I, mean, I know. Detroit's a Delta city. I, or Delta hub. Yes. Although I hadn't flown Delta because they are a little pricier for like a while. And my my trip to Florida, uh, I went on Delta. And I mean, it nice. wasn't, I was going to say, it wasn't like, oh, this is the fanciest, but it was a better experience. And I was kind of like, oh. Right. Like you're not getting fucking caviar or anything, but your flight's most likely going to be on time. They're not going to lose your luggage and they're going to be nice to you. Yeah. Like you don't see any of those stories of like passenger duct tape to seat. Like, did you see that recently? Yeah, I did. I did. Which, like, also, I'm like, good for those flight attendants because people be wild and on planes. Yeah, and I actually, I don't know the context. I just, I saw it on TikTok. Yeah. Um, so I don't know the context of, like, what that passenger had done. I, you know, so it, the context is very important in situations. Yeah. However, I can't imagine it wasn't necessary you know what i mean because like yeah. you're in the air you can't really i think they were trying anything. to open the emergency door or something yeah that's bad don't do that right that's you can't no 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 people be wild and yeah. i understand why people fly private i would never but like oh yeah no i for sure i i understand it right um although a lot of private planes go down i feel like there's been a yeah. lot of tragic tragedy yeah. in the past of like you know i mean buddy holly uh there's others too, but that's the one that comes in my head. Was it a Leah or was it a helicopter? Or was that a Shanti? Can't remember. It's one of the eight. I know it's a Leah or a Shanti. I can't remember. Um, isn't one of the Beatles? Probably I don't know. There is there, there's just a lot. That's all yeah. I know. Is there there's definitely a lot of um private plane situations. A lot of like old Hollywood actors do. Yeah, the only ones who could like go on planes back in like right, you know, the forties, fifties. Everyone was like smoking and drinking on the plane, and like Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, safety was more of a if not a. Well, no, I don't think that's necessarily why, but I think like I don't know because they it 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 has been proven that larger planes are actually safer as far as like the mechanics of them. That makes sense. Generally speaking, I forget where I have no source for this. This is off the top of my head, but I have heard that. Yeah. Uh, and plus, like, commercial planes like that are, rarely are, like, just sitting there, you know? Oh, yeah. They're either, like, getting maintenance or in the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, also, there's more car crashes and da-da-da, you know. Yeah, I love hearing the statistics going to be flying in, like, three weeks, so. There just, you go. Yeah. Yeah. Delta though, flying Delta. Fancy Ooh, man. Yes. Uh, um, <laughs> I am bummed because I do have to lay over in Atlanta. Which I had a layover in Atlanta on my last flight because it's another another Delta, Delta hub. hub. Yeah, but it was it's a nice airport. <laughs> it is. It's just I hope that my connections aren't because it's a big airport too. It is, but they have a tram. Yeah. that goes between the terminals. It's super quick. Yeah. You like literally because I've been in other airports where you have to take like a bus or something outside and right. like this and this and that. One time I had a layover that was two different airports. Oh my God. Yeah. I flew was into it like New York. Where the it was New close? York. Okay. Yeah. I flew into Newark and I had to fly out of JFK and then on the return flight it was opposite. Damn. Um. Because like also too they like 
It was like a it's two hour layover. It's not easy to get to either of the airports from the like, public transit. No, and it was ridiculous because then you have to go through security and stuff, obviously, yeah. like the second one. And like it was not enough time mm. between the two. This is when I went to Peru. So like that's why I was. Yeah. I don't know. But what it was very nerve wracking. And we had to like I was with my friend Christina. We had to, you know, get an Uber uh-huh. from one to the other. And then the one guy took us through the freaking city. I was so mad. I was like, why would you think this is the best route? What right. are you doing, sir? And there was actually another person in the car with us who was just going. They were going to their home, but it was near whatever airport we were going to. Oh, I never do Uber because like, I made the mistake of doing an Uber pool on the air, way to the airport once. I'm like, mm-hmm. never again. I wasn't. In, it was when it was new. Yeah. So it wasn't like intentional on my part. Yeah. It was not a fun travel experience. Would not recommend. Zero yeah. out of ten. I mean, we made our flight. I've got One out of ten. We made our flight. But yeah, would not recommend. Uh, and it was in tiny letters. Uh so you didn't know until like it was too late. Until it was like the week of or something. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're you're looking over those last minute details. It was, it was a shit show. It was a shit show. Um, not fun. That's what it was. It was not fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't recommend. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you for that story. No problem. Would you be interested in a little game? I would love a game. How about Pinochle? I don't know how to play. I have no idea either. Let's learn. I know right it's now, a separate deck. Air. Yes. Uh, or we could just play Two Truths and a Lie. I think for time's sake. Okay. We'll save Pinochle. That'll be bonus content. Okay. Sounds great. Alex and Jess learn Pinochle. Yes. So my Two Truths and a Lie is a callback to episode 99 because we talked about, do you know, do, do you have an idea? Um, there was something that both of us should probably know more about, but we don't. Oh, that's a wide category. It is a wide category. I can just tell you. Yes, yes, yes. Van Gogh. Van Gogh. Van Gogh. Van Gogh. Okay. We know he's Dutch at least. Yes, we do know he's Dutch. Uh, I, I, I learned things. Okay. Okay. So here we go. One, there was another Vincent van Gogh before him, his brother. Two, he was actually meant to be a, become a pastor like his father. Three, oh, Minerva. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. I know, kitty cat. You want to play Minerva? You can come down. Uh, that's the cat. Yeah. Uh, number three, he was expelled from the same art school twice. Okay. I kind of say number one is the lie because like fuck those parents for giving the, him and his brother the same name. Um, actually that is true. Basically Does his brother die young or something. Yeah, his, okay. That his makes sense. His brother then. died during labor. Okay. And that was actually a really common practice back in the day. I, this Second is just, tries the charm. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Salvador Dali had the same thing where he was oh. named after a brother who passed away too. There's a lot more with that one because he used to walk by the grave of that brother and yeah it kind of messed with his brain a little bit but yeah it was I understand a, that. a common practice at some point so now you have was meant to become a pastor like his father or was expelled from the same art school twice pastor that's actually true damn yeah i don't have anything else to say about that one but that one's true so he was expelled he was not expelled from the same art school twice that's actually salvador dali okay but while he Did was a t- go to go to art school like, uh, well, actually, okay, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, 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 it's fine. Um, 
he did actually go to art school and it so he didn't actually start painting until he's 27 but he was saving to attend an art school in Antwerp for a few months or he actually only went for a few months four years before his death uh-huh. he did get in trouble for his unconventional painting style though often oh yeah because that was like around the time when we're like you can't you can't challenge art rules and they're like fucking watch me yeah everything had to be real yeah uh i do have some more fun facts though yes because he's kind of fascinating actually i believe it somebody make a movie uh i know there are movies but i think there could be like a really well done one right so while he was alive he only sold one painting during his life he had many illnesses unfortunately including epilepsy hallucinations and some other mental issues oh his brother, Theo, actually supported him financially for most of his life. Because he didn't know yeah. anything. Uh, he did not have the best luck with women. At one point, he proposed to his widowed cousin. Oh, no. And actively pursued her, but she refused. Mostly, Good on her. Mostly because he was poor. Okay. Yeah. Not the family thing. No. No. Okay. Um, another occasion. I he- take back that good on her. <laughs> I know. On another occasion, he and his neighbor's daughter fell in love, but their families disapproved of that. And the woman tried to overdose and kill herself, but Van Gogh rushed her to the hospital. That was nice. So that didn't go well, though, either. Yeah. Um, he actually, he died by shooting himself in the chest in a field. Mm. But he managed to walk home and upstairs to his room and lived for another 30 hours after the event. His, oh, God. I know. And his final words to his brother were, the sadness will last forever. Oh. I know. Now, well, I'm going to save the very, my favorite juiciest one for the end. Okay. Uh, at his funeral, Theo let Vincent's small circle of friends take a painting of his in order to remember him by, because there was a lot. Yeah. And Vincent's therapist took as many of the paintings as he could carry. They stayed in the family for many years until they were donated to the Louvre. Well, most of them. Yeah. Uh, Theo's wife had collected Vincent's paintings and letters and she committed herself to spreading his work so it would gain acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. So basically that's why he was famous. Love Eventually. that. Yeah. Bummer didn't happen while he was alive but at yeah. least he hopefully his spirit is resting a little easier that he found some acceptance success in the art world. Yeah. And the most money ever spent on a Van Gogh and I'm not sure when this is exactly from so it could be different but was $82.5 million. I never get that when it's like this one thing went for 150 million. I'm like, who wants it that bad? What are you going to do with it? Yeah. Hang it on the wall. Look at it. Just put on a different copy. Like, yeah, I don't get it. I, well, the art, tra- there is more to the art trading world. I've, True. I've it is like bit. an investment. Well, like, there's even more than that, though, too, because it also becomes tax write offs at certain points, too. Oh, yeah. That's why a lot that's of weird. That's why a lot of like uh, either companies or like. People with more money. Uh, yeah. We'll buy a lot of art and we'll buy expensive art because it does become a write-off. And I believe it's because it is like um, like historic education, like something to do with Some that. Some kind of bullshit reason, yeah. Yeah. It's it's an interesting... I don't understand it completely. I've like heard about the tip of the iceberg, but it's a whole... You could go down a rabbit hole trying to learn about that. Yeah. And why it is so much. Um, so the relationship between Vincent and his brother, Theo, was very strong. Theo became so sad after Vincent died that he passed away only four months later. Oh. And he was actually buried, but his wife recognized that they were very close and had his remains exhumed so they could be buried next to each other. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Uh, his art style is known for like all the vibrant yellows, you know, like the sunflowers yeah. and things like that. 
But the pigment that was used in them is chemically unstable and ages poorly. So nobody actually knows. What it looked like originally? Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And then here's the juicy thing. So we're going to get yes, to yes. the ear. Yes. So this, it does involve Gauguin. Okay. So basically Gauguin and Van Gogh did have a relationship. Uh-huh. It was not a smooth one. Like relationship, like? Friendship. Okay. Well, okay. they knew each other. Okay. okay. Friendship's a stretch. So basically Van Gogh really admired Gauguin because Gauguin was a successful artist. Yeah. And in October 1888, the then 40-year-old Gauguin arrived to the city of Arles in France after months of insistence from Van Gogh because basically Van Gogh wanted to turn Arles into like an artist commune. Yeah. And he thought like a big name like Gauguin would like get that going. Yeah. So Theo, or Vincent's brother. Yeah. So many names. Theo, Van Gogh's brother, was actually Gauguin's art dealer in Paris. So oh, that's interesting. How they got, yeah, kind of hooked up. And basically, um, Theo promised him money uh-huh. if he would move to Arles and do this. And Gauguin was actually saving to move back to Martinique. That was like his inspiration. Yeah. And so once Van Gogh kind of heard that Gauguin was there just for the money and not, you know, art, the art, he was a little bit of a loose cannon. So they settled into a small corner house that Van Gogh called the Yellow House some of the paintings and the two became kind of actually competitive because Van Gogh, he produced a lot. Yeah. Once he started, he just produced, produced, produced. And so Gauguin, and they would paint like the same things. Ooh. So it became very competitive. Gauguin became concerned at one point for his own life because just yeah. the behaviors that he saw. Vincent Van Gogh would actually stand over Gauguin's bed while he slept and watch him. He would mm. also spend their shared money on sex workers and absence. Not ideal. Yeah. So one night, uh, Van Gogh threw a drink at Gauguin's head in a bar. And Gauguin told Van Gogh he was going to go back to Paris. He said, fuck this shit, I'm leaving. Fair. The next day, Van Gogh, according to Gauguin, chased him in the street with a razor blade. So Gauguin checked himself into a hotel for the night. And when he returned the next day, Van Gogh had cut off the lower part of his left ear. Then according to police records, Van Gogh went to a local brothel, asked for a woman named Rachel, and presented the wrapped bloody piece for her as a keepsake. Van Gogh and Gauguin would never meet again, but they would write letters until Van Gogh's death. Interesting. I know. I had no idea about any. I mean, yeah. I recently learned that they knew each other and that he might be part of the reason for the ear. I knew the ear because like I, growing up, I had always heard that he cut off his ear because he was like sad and gave it to an ex-girlfriend basically. yeah something like that that's kind of Which similar can, what i heard too i see where from this story yeah. it can get turned into that especially if you're talking to kids and stuff like that right like just kind of trying to ease it down and for some reason van gogh is one of the people we talk to kids about which i'm like hmm. not sure why um but I, yeah i had no idea about this and i forget exactly it was like under a year i think that they were both there but what a fascinating thing that happened. Yeah. Who knew? Not me. Van Gogh, Gauguin. Gauguin, Van Gogh. Right. Even <laughs> just like the, even the names. Yeah. So that's their, their, their tumultuous relationship. Well, thank you for illuminating that and clarifying the ear thing too. Cause like, I know, mm-hmm. like, you know, you just hear a bunch of things, you know. You do. Well, and I, like I said, it gets passed down and, Plays the weird historical telephone. 
Yeah. And unless you're going to sit aside and time and right read about it, you, you wouldn't know. And I, I mean, I taught art for 10 years and I had no idea about any of this because quite frankly, I didn't really ever. The only time I think when I was student teaching, we might have used like the sunflowers painting uh-huh. as like a let's do a sunflowers project yeah. or something like that. But you don't go that in depth. Yeah. And yeah. So fast. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated. Yeah. At the moment. Now I do want to see the Van Gogh movie. I know. Make it would be very happen. interesting. Hollywood, are you listening? Yeah. Make it happen. I also do like to, you know, it mentioned like he did have a therapist and things like that. Yeah. And I think that that's important to note too. Um, and he did actually, he admitted himself at one time for, you know, psychiatric care in a facility and things like that too. So, mm-hmm. um, Yeah. A little, a little bit of a bummer that you know he he didn't get to to see, but he did, you know, make an impact on yeah the world. So yeah, yeah. Well, I think that wraps us. I think we are wrapped like a new piece of art. Yes, being shipped, an old piece of art being shipped. Yeah, wraps tightly. Stays safe and warm. Yes. Yes. But if you want to find us on our social medias, it's at Detroit Strange on Instagram and Twitter, Detroit Strange on Facebook, and our email address is DetroitStrange at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And if you would like to support the show, we would love that. You could leave us a review on Apple and we'll read it on air. Yeah. As well as uh, five stars would be great. That would be fantastic. Yes. And you can also head over to Patreon. We're kind of changing our tier system a little bit, I think, but yeah. we're, we're brainstorming some stuff to add on there that we think we think will be fun i'm very excited about the one we talked about today yeah and yeah and then oh we also have threadless shop if you want some merch get some merch it's summertime get a tank Mm -hmm. or a tote a tank and a tote a a tank and a tote to carry more merchandise i don't know yes (laughs) but your beach put you can put your flip-flops and your water shoes in the tote wear your tank top go to the beach yes oh my gosh can we make water shoes Yes. Little with a little eye on the thing. Yes. <laughs> oh, that'd be so cute. Coming soon. Yeah. Strange water shoes. Yes. We'll have a we'll have a uh Kickstarter for it. Yes. Love it. Yes. Uh but I think Until next time. Yeah. Stay, Stay strange. This has been a production of Planet Ant Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Our theme song was recorded by Detroit's own Sax and Violence.